Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Matt, and we're talking about The Mechanic in this 1972 film directed by Michael Winner, an aging hitman played by Charles Bronson, befriends a young man who wants to be a professional killer. Eventually, it becomes clear that someone has betrayed them. Um, that's, I guess that's a pretty accurate description, but it's there's a lot more to the movie <laughs> than that. Um, yeah. That's from the IMDb page. Uh, so I don't know, getting into it, uh, this was, I think both me and Adam's first time viewing it. So should we give our responses before we go to you, Matt, or how do you guys want to do this? Yeah, that's sure. Yeah, so, by all means. Okay. Go to Matt last since he's the expert. All right. So I'm going to do me, Adam, and then Matt. Um, so my, my response is I, I really liked the film. I had been encouraged to see it by a number of people. Uh, it was one of these movies that's been on my list and I just hadn't quite got to. And I found it to be um, uh, a very pleasant surprise, even though I I was people told me I was going to like it. And I felt like uh, in my mind, it's a movie that I should like. I had some odd reservations about it after I had seen one of the trailers. I was like, this looks like it could be good, but it also looks like it could be a real slog. Um, and I don't know why I had that impression, but just something about the trailer gave me that impression. So I would cue it up and I'd be like, ah, not tonight. I'll do it another night. You know, that was always my sort of interaction with this movie for some time. Um, so that, so finally, you know, pulling the trigger and watching it, um, I was really surprised. I, I loved the opening scene, which we're going to talk about at length. And I just enjoyed, it is a kind of action movie, but there's a lot more going on between the characters. And it's really about these two characters. And I don't know, I, I really like their relationship and I, I, I liked a lot of the particular details of the film as well. So to me, this was, this was a really solid film. Uh, Adam, how about you? Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I'd never seen it before. I, it, it was interesting because as you know, we just did death wish and it's the same director, same star, Death Wish is this really grounded movie. And so I was expecting something similar, but this mm. this is to a level, it's it's kind of so much more pulpier in a sense. It's kind yeah. of in this this heightened, you know, heightened reality that, you know, of, of hitmen that do these elaborate, crazy schemes to kill people and stuff. And it was fantastic. It, it kind of in a way reminded me actually. It made me think you could take this movie and like reskin it and like make it a wuxia movie or something well, you know to, with the master student relationship and all of that <laughs> it's not it's not quite that but john wick in a way feels to me like i don't know if they were inspired by this movie but i feel like there's a lot of dna from this film somehow got got its way into john wick john wick is at a it, it, you can't really compare the two movies like it like i don't want to give the wrong impression if somebody sees yeah. this and then thinks oh i should go see john wick they're not the same thing but there is a there's a real connection between the way that they paint the world that the guys live in and this yeah. one just does it more in that pulpy way it's heightened but it's still believable john wick does it in like a more comic book style of, of doing it or a more with with elements that you might see in wuxia movies too yeah um, yeah, exactly. Like I say, it's not not quite full into wuxia or anything, but like I say, it would be very easy to just take this plot and make a wuxia movie with well, it. And of course, at the same time frame as Shaw Brothers movies too. So you kind of got 
that cross pollination well, going on. And it, and it had the karate school and everything. So yes. it was like this like whole thing. And it was very steeped in that. And you could tell the Bronson character was, you know, I, he yeah. definitely was a master student type thing. I, 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 I think that was definitely there. I saw I saw actually when I was reading about it today that, that apparently the uh, the martial arts stuff, the martial arts segment was actually like a bigger part of the movie that got cut during editing. Mm. editing. So there was actually a lot more stuff at that dojo. Oh, cuts. that's probably why it felt so good, because it had it probably had all this stuff like as a foundation that we just didn't see. And I think because yeah. that did that, that was sort of a standout sequence, I thought maybe. And I wasn't sure if it was just because I like martial arts, but <laughs> I remember really liking that that portion of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It fit. But yeah, Matt, if you, I'm, it's my initial impression, your turn. It's um, a movie that came out from the United Artists. I think it was late 1972. Mm hmm. He had Michael Winter had three movies that year, as I said uh, in the, one of the other podcasts, Chato's Land, and what was the other? The uh, Nightcomers with Marlon Brando, which is great actually. I, I recommend most of Michael Winter's movies, and this is maybe the one I would recommend the most that everybody see because. I think it's really an underappreciated classic. I, I think it's one of the best crime movies ever made. And it has one of the very best openings of any crime movie maybe ever made. Even Thief, I think it's better even than its opening. Yeah, I, Which, I think as it, I, think I understand, at least as I remember. Yeah. I agree with yeah, you. As I remember it, Thief, it's open, has almost no dialogue also. Hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a master class in directing. I mean, it, you can see the history of cinema going on in, in, in it. Uh, the editing, the back and forth, cutting, the... It's, it's meticulous. It is highly precise highly professional filmmaking. So all the people that say that Michael Winner is, you know, politically incorrect director that he was and that he was a lightweight who wasn't very talented. That's this movie disproves that. Yeah, <laughs> it, I kind of I kind of looked so, at yeah. some of looked at some of the uh, criticism of it. It all seemed to be this very intellectual style criticism like oh this is just an action movie and blah blah why didn't yeah. they delve deeper into the characters and make it a drama and it's just like because it's just it's not it's like <laughs> i think it conveyed that without you know i mean it i don't know i i thought it was an incredibly fun movie and it's like they it's like i feel like it being <laughs> the early 70s they wanted it to be part of that very grounded 70s realistic feel and the i i feel like they they just didn't understand what it was doing they were kind of in their own heads watching it yeah because i mean i thought the characters were fine there was nothing yeah. wrong with the characters and the and i thought I and there was the drama it just wasn't that um it wasn't like a taxi driver type of exploration. That wouldn't have worked no. with Bronson because he's not an inter he wasn't an introspective character that's going to give you 
all the stuff you know that you got in Taxi Driver. So it was a fantastic use of Bronson. That was something I thought this movie mm-hmm. used him perfectly. And I mean, I'm going to talk about Bronson's character. Is I love the fact that Bron, it's, you know, Bronson was his usual deadpan, very mm-hmm. serious self, but he's playing this guy who is very flamboyant in the way he kills people we see yeah. that place one time he goes to the goes to see a hooker and she's he's got this he, you find out you first you don't realize it, it's you, it's just some woman he goes to see and there's this whole big dramatic yeah. scene and it's like it turns out it's all staged well, and it's like everything in his life he likes to make as dramatic as possible but he's this really buttoned down guy it was just i love that juxtaposition we, we need to talk about the opening, but I wanted to talk about that scene, too, because yeah. I have I had a note about that scene when I first saw it. Because the moment <laughs> yeah. I forget what she said, she said something to him like, oh, I had a feeling like she thought he was. And the moment she said that, I was like, that's not his girlfriend. Like I knew like like it was like a, a hooker <laughs> or a mistress or something. But I like yeah. I love the way that that scene was set up because I knew something was off at the beginning. I didn't quite know. Yeah. What it was. And then she's reading him this letter. And, it, and, it, and and I've seen her in other movies, so I thought the acting, it felt off to me for some reason. Yes. And, and then yes. I was like, why does she seem so off? And then I was like, oh, she's she's feigning love for him. And so it was just, and it's his wife as well, right? That's his real life it wife. It is. Um, yeah. So, no, I had the yeah, same reaction. I was like, you know, I'm like, I was like, oh, clearly, clearly they're trying to make us think she's, you know, a crazy, obsessive girlfriend. Mm. And and, but, I, but I was like, I was like, okay, I think I think she's to dial it down a notch. If she dialed it down, <laughs> yeah. just, it's like she's just doing it a little too hard. Then when the reveal happened, I was just like, oh, that's brilliant. This is one of the yeah. best scenes in a movie ever. And you just and, ah, so good. And it's important because it highlights how lonely this guy's life must mm-hmm. be because he, mm-hmm. he he is in such solitude. He he seems content. But he's also, I mean, he's not somebody who seems to have friends. The one person that he is friendly with, he murders. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, he seems to have a very bleak existence. Also, this is a really forward thinking character. Like this character is almost like Tony Soprano in some ways because he's got the panic attack thing. It doesn't yeah. become this recurring thing throughout the movie, which I thought was fairly merciful. I don't think we needed that. But no. the fact that he had that, um, and then he just kind of tamped it down even further. You know, it, it, it I don't know. I, 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 but that scene, it's I thought, him. what was that? Yeah. It, his job is killing him. I, I, that's what I think. Yeah. I agree. I think that was definitely it. Cause the panic attack happened after he killed his friend. I mean, I don't know. Were they friends or were they, I don't quite know there, what their relationship was. Another, another angle on it, it too, is we have his father's friend. What, what was that, Matt? His father's friend, yeah. But uh, the other angle... His father's friend from back in the old days. So someone close, though. Somebody that you wouldn't want to murder if you could avoid it. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but it was notable it was in an aquarium, too. And the one the one story the yeah. friend tells him is about him almost drowning. And I thought... So I, I think I think those two... It was just the juxtaposition of those two things. No, that and that all those pieces were laid down, too. So I get... Like, the, the whole movie, to me, felt like everything was laid down really well. I, mm-hmm. I, too, I too, am a little bit surprised when i when i look because i was like oh there must be like raving reviews about this movie when i went to go look at the wikipedia reception page and all that and it was like just bad review after bad review i'm like what were these people thinking did we see the same movie this was one of the best movies i've seen yeah i think it's a 70s critic snobbery i think that (laughs) was really really that that was my reading those reviews that was my full take on it okay 
they they wanted they wanted gritty seventies cinema, and they got this this I don't know very different movie. Well, it's more like you were saying; it's more like a western or a wuxia movie, where those yeah. are the kind of characters you're dealing with. And in a wuxia, that's still dramatic; it's still character. Oh yeah, you're just not getting. I don't know. You're not getting this angst ridden exploration of the character. There's exactly. angst there, but they don't dwell on it, like like with the panic attack and. And all those things. But it's yeah. there. I mean, he goes to a prostitute and he's having her read love letters to like, this is a lonely, lonely man. Right. And then, yeah. And then, you know, so there's, there's a tragedy to the character, even though he doesn't vocalize it himself. He does, you know, we don't need him to do that. I don't think. Um, I think in a lot of ways it's more impactful because you get the sense that this guy does have an inner world, but he's just from a, a culture and from an upbringing where you don't reveal that to people. And and you see yeah. that in everything he does, which I again I think you're right about Bronson being perfect casting for it because you really I was I actually watched an interview the other night with Bronson and his wife because I wanted to see them interact and they were on the Dick Cavett show, and I thought it was very interesting because he's he's like that in real life he doesn't uh, he doesn't give people a lot and it's noticeable and it's like an older style of man that I remember from when I was a kid but isn't really as common anymore. Um, yeah. And so I thought for this movie that that's sad. I, yeah, I wouldn't expect yeah. a hitman in 1972 to be, you know, emotive. yeah, emotive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I as a thing, whenever I hear people criticizing Bronson, it's like, I, I yeah, I remember people like that. It's like, yeah, you may you may not like this. You may want so, a more expressive actor in the part. But I feel like he is conveying a real person in, in a lot of his roles. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a. It's an older type of masculinity that was a real thing. And so it gives it a believability that he comes from this old school crime family. And we don't really know a lot about the world, but we know some of the players in it. We have a sense of the structure, yeah. um, you know, and it's something that he's kind of inherited from his father in a way. And so that makes perfect sense to me. It's sort of I mean, that's like in the in the mafia, the Omerita is the code of silence. And the whole thing is not yeah. talking about stuff you see. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that's yeah. and that's a code of manliness, too. It's you know what I mean? So I think um, I think in this movie and I, I'm not saying that they're in the mafia. I don't know what organization they're supposed to be in. But yeah. it's that kind of a thing, I think, where, you know, you don't you don't talk about it. And and, and men, even if you weren't in crime, I think at that time it was just more. Yeah masculine to not talk about things like that um yep. and there's also where he throws the guy gives him yeah. a prescription for some kind of anti-anxiety and he just throws it in the trash, trash. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that was great that's uh that's fantastic but uh yeah do you want you brendan was there things you wanted to say about the initial scene i keep i keep sending oh. you off down oh yeah the opening here, no, well but, i mean uh... and and matt was touching on it too i think that the opening is just it i was just very captivated by because number one i was like this is the kind of stuff I remember really liking when I was a kid watching older movies on the yeah. TV. Just that attention to detail by people who seemed to know how things worked. And I was sort of learning a yes. little bit about how things worked. Yes. And it, it, it was just this very workmanlike set of steps he was going through. But then there's all these like little character flares where like we see him putting up these pictures in his home. His home is not what you would necessarily expect the home of a hitman to be. And he's yeah. playing classical music. I oft I was also wondering because that's become such a trope in movies. I was wondering is there a character before this one who does that or is this the character who launches that off in uh in crime movies? Could be. Um yeah, could yeah. be. 
I can't think of an earlier one off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah, because at first I was like, oh, that old trope. But I was like, wait, this was made in 1996. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, and, and, and also well, with Bronson. What was that? There's Clockwork Orange. <laughs> there's Clockwork Orange, too. But that, that's, I guess that would be the, uh, when did that come up? 71? Well, that's, was... that's different, too, in that it's, it's someone oh, being time. classical mm. music as opposed to being the murderer who's elegantly plotting their <laughs> their, their elaborate crime well, to classical. Well, also, it being Bronson made it weird because you have Bronson yeah. listening to the, and that's different to me than, like, you know, the the the, the Alex character in uh, A Clockwork Orange. But um yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked the opening sequence just because it, I I really kind of wanted to see what he was up to. There was no dialogue. I was getting a sense of who this guy was. And there were, I, was, I don't know, it just was an interesting scene. Um, and and it, it, uh, it, it held my attention was the most important thing. Because I think it would have been, it would have been very easy for a movie that doesn't have dialogue in the beginning to lose me, uh, you know, through a misstep here or there. So I think all of the... Yeah all the scenes were just very well coordinated in that sequence. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And I agree with Matt. I think it's, um, I think, I think it's, you know, one of the best openings in a movie and definitely probably the best uh, opening in a crime film I can think of. The, I, I, I think the only one that that's ever leapt out at me as well, and it's not done, it's not done at all like this, but the opening to Goodfellas is also, pretty pretty stark i think um that's one that like i always oh, your mind goes back to. <laughs> oh yeah um but uh <laughs> but yeah this but this is definitely like you know a very good opening sequence um yeah and uh i guess the uh the jaw beat dropping. of the movie oh what was that it's jaw dropping yeah it's just absolutely amazing it's so um it has it all. It's it's just the best best kind of filmmaking you can possibly have. It's amazing. It I, I love too that it is just such a quiet, meditative kind of beginning. You're watching everything, and then it just ends with an explosion. It's just like boom. It's just it's like I don't know how the sound was on when you were watching, but it was just like it just shook the room when that explosion went off and was just like whoa yeah. <laughs> it's also where we get to see his little wax thing that he's always squeezing yeah. which is nice and i like the the details of it where like he's counting the the tea bags and just like, yes them, yeah you know, that, that, i love that the counting tea bags was a moment where i it's a movie that was really winning me over i'm like oh such such meticulous detail <laughs> And at first, I'm like, wait, is he poisoning him? What's going on? And it's like, no, he's just putting him to sleep so he can get the gas going. And then it was a very interesting kind of mousetrap of an assassination. Um, yeah, I, I watched yeah. that scene twice, actually. I was like, I'm just going to watch this whole thing again. But, uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, that definitely was great. I also, I, I also Jan Michael Vincent was in this, which I, yeah. I think you had told me, but I forgot about. And so when I was mm -hmm. watching it, I didn't recognize him. Me either, um, actually. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot too until I looked. Like, oh yeah, Airwolf. <laughs> but I kept going. I really like this actor. He's going to go places. That was sort of like my thinking. Oh, oops. Watching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Airwolf was definitely something. You know. Yeah, he, he, well, he, he did. Some places. Uh, but but also he's not really recognizable because he's so young. You know. Um, but uh, but I thought he was perfect for that role because he plays this like. For a Nam. What was that? 
What was that, Matt? He was fresh out of Vietnam. Oh, okay. He was in the Vietnam War. The actor was... And both men were killers in real life. Yeah, yeah. Both men were, you could say, were killers in real life. Well, and they're both kind of like sociopaths or sociopaths or psychopaths, I think. Um, the the Jan Michael Vincent character, they definitely. Yeah, um, the, the suicide yeah. scene uh, really set that up. That was yeah. that was a crazy scene. There's, that, there's just so many good scenes in this movie. That initially confused me so much because <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is going on with this movie? And then I realized, oh, this is how he realizes the guy is built for being a hitman. And yeah. that's doubly good because I don't know at what point the Jan Michael Vincent character was told to assassinate Charles Bronson's character. But if it was early in the movie, that means that during that scene, he was actually huh. setting up Bronson to bring him in. So it was just I and, and that's the other thing I like about this movie is the whole time after I'm just like, wait, when exactly was he assigned uh-huh. the task? Because that changes every scene in terms of like what his motivation was and what, and it's, I like movies that do that because you really start thinking about them. And I feel like you get a, it's like you have further exploration of the characters that you're doing after the movie, um, which is, I I don't know, it's just enjoyable. So it's it's the kind of movie you can have a lot of conversations about. Um, But that, that suicide scene was, was tremendous uh, on so many different levels. Um, Yeah. And for people who maybe don't know the scene, <laughs> the, uh, the Jan Michael Vincent, he's this young guy. His father is friends with Charles Bronson's father. And Charles Bronson is assigned with the task of killing his father. And so he kills his father. And then sometime later, uh, Jan Michael Vincent, he inherits his father's home and all this stuff. And while he's at his house, for some reason, he got Charles Bronson to go there. I don't remember his you know why that happened uh but it's almost like an animal house scene where all of these countercultural elements are just coming through the tiles and uh and you can tell that bronson is a little bit out of his element and then they, the guy gets a call from his girlfriend and she's like i'm gonna kill myself because you don't care about me and he has to go there and like she's she's she literally slits her wrists at first you think it's just like she's not gonna do it or she cuts them but it's not gonna bleed and there's so many things that happen in the scene number one uh, she asks how long it will take her to die, and Jan Michael Vinson looks at uh, Charles Bronson character, and he's like, "Oh, it'll take you like how how much do you weigh?" And then he just you know, and then he's like able to give her how much time she has. And as she's bleeding to death, the Jan Michael Vinson character makes a sandwich. I think he makes some coffee or has some wine. I can't I can't remember, but he just expresses his total disinterest to this woman dying. Um, yeah. And at first you think, oh, he's doing the tough love thing. But then you're like, no, I think he legitimately doesn't really care yeah. what happens to her. Um, and she and, tr- and oh, go ahead. Oh, that's a, yeah, he, he's trying to express as hard as hard as he can that he, he doesn't care about it at all. It's just, yeah. just it's just it's fantastic. It's it's like the most cruel thing you could do to another human being. That, that's that, horrible. Yeah, yeah, when I say it's fantastic, I, I mean that in a sense of a dramatic scene, yeah. not in yeah. Wow, what a great guy! But it is just clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> But it made me, it made me really not like like that character, like he's a likable guy, but be no. like suddenly like, oh, this like I thought this was just the stobby kid. And now there's like way more going on with this character. And I yeah. have to take him a lot more seriously than I did before, which I'm guessing is what was going through Bronson's head, too, in that scene. So 
it, it worked, you know, just in terms of conveying that. But th those kind of scenes are pretty common in this movie. There's a lot, like every, everything feels like it's, like there's just a lot of thought that went into each each area of the movie. The, 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 you, you can tell that they weren't just like, okay, well, this scene has to happen, so let's have this happen. There was a lot of thought put into all the details, and I think that really made it work. And also just the, like, the journey that your mind goes through in that scene where at first you just want this woman to not commit suicide. And then there's all these other things going on that you kind of have to pay attention to. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really like that. Scene. I especially like the, how much do you weigh line that told me a lot. About <laughs> uh, cold, cold. Yeah. Very, very cold, very, apparently he knows how long it takes a person to bleed to death based on body weight, though. That's the, yeah. there was details that, like, okay, when he's planning the death of his friend, for example, <laughs> he, he does this elaborate preparation on the beach. He, he, you see him running up the hill. You're like, why is he running? I don't get it. And then he checks his pulse and you're like, oh, I think I might know why he's doing this. And then, because yeah. his friend, you know, he's because he always looks at the medical history of the people that he's going to murder and all that. And so when it, when he, finally does meet his friend on the beach and shoots the gun at him and forces him to run. It's a really clever, you know, well put together scenario, but just those kind of details are what seem to make this movie so great. It's, it's a, again, I, I don't, I don't want to over uh, compare it to Goodfellas because nothing like that movie, but both of those movies have the details are kind of what make the movies so special in a lot of ways. And so mm -hmm. I think in this one that, you know, that kind of scene, just the way that that kind of comes back, to him when the Jan Michael Vincent character has to assassinate him. And so, cause he's also obviously been studied. So it's, uh, you know, I, I like, I like that you, you, you understand the whole process that went into him killing Charles Bronson. Um, yeah. And Charles Bronson's way of killing him is he knows that he's trying to usurp his role. So it's like, he's going to go and take my car. That's, how, yeah. that's what he's going to do afterwards. So <laughs> I really like the ending. I thought that I thought oh, that was yeah. fantastic. So good. Yeah. I, it's yeah, funny. I, I, yeah, yeah I, and it but, was funny. It, it definitely was. I thought what was going to happen was Charles <laughs> was going to come back and be like, I didn't swallow the wine. Yeah. I was, that's what I was expecting. that. I was wondering uh -huh. too, but no. Uh, it was much better than that. <laughs> well, and also it was interesting because you're thinking the whole movie, Jan Michael Vincent might be trying to kill him, but you think it's because he killed his father. And then when he does poison nope. him, he's like, is it because you're dad? And he's like, oh, you did that? Like, he doesn't even yeah. care. <laughs> now, I, I never for a second really <laughs> thought that would be the case because I just, there was nothing about this character could make me think he would care that someone killed his father. There was just nothing. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's unfair for you to think that, but I'm saying it just, it just, I don't know. This guy is just so cold. Yeah, he, I, I figured he still had some love for his dad. I thought that <laughs> what we were going to learn was that even though his, he interacted with his dad in that way at the beginning, that they really had like a bond or something, you know? But yeah, uh, but yeah no, it, but I thought yeah. that scene was so... Because also it showed how differently the Charles Bronson character thought than he thought. Like, Charles Bronson is definitely... There's something wrong with him. He's, he's committing murder. But yeah. I think he viewed their relationship a little bit more as like he felt like a paternal figure to him. And so when he sees that he doesn't even care that somebody killed his dad, why would he care 
that Charles Bronson is dead. You know, it's like it's a yeah. Uh, you know, his name in the movie is not Charles Bronson, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, Arthur Bishop. That's yeah, it. Arthur Bishop, which yeah. is an odd name for a crime family hitman. Right. Arthur Bishop. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it could be a good. name too. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's true. That's that's true. true. But uh, yeah, as far as as Bronson's casting to it works, because this guy is just so he does he, he's like so inflexible. It's like you know they're like oh you got to cowboy this, you gotta gotta kill this guy quickly. Got, I'm gonna do this the way I always do. <laughs> so it's like he just it just doesn't matter. It's like yeah, this, uh, no no no. He just it just keeps keeps plodding along even in the face of knowing this guy's gonna try and kill him. It's like he's still just gonna keep doing yeah. his thing it's uh it's like he he just is is just this just goes on his path i like that about his character i thought that oh that me was, too yeah, yeah. it, it really was effective but it's yeah, real. So, what, what was that man it's real i think you broke up a little bit there can you repeat what you said I think we're losing Matt. Yeah, Matt, uh, you might want to try turning your video off if you can hear us okay. That might improve your sound if it's your internet doesn't have to deal with the video, like the bottom where you can hit the little video button. Does that help? Is that better now? That sounds yeah. better. Yeah, what, what were you yeah. trying to say? <laughs> Is that better? Uh, the psychology feels real. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It definitely feels like, in fact, I mean, I know we're sort of awash in characters who are psychopaths these days, but I feel yeah. like we got two psychopath characters before that was really a common thing in crime movies and stuff like they're, And I don't know if that's because they were aware of it or if they just intuited it or if it, or if that was maybe when the trend was beginning to start where, um, you know, you were starting to see that. Cause I know that the, the term psychopath, I think, did gain currency in the 70s, didn't it? So, yeah. Um, but I, I, I yeah. yeah, so I, 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 I think that it's, uh, like I said, it, it feels, even though it's not like the brooding, you know, exploration of a character's internal world, I feel like they're very believable hitmen and that they, they're behaving exactly the way that I would expect hitmen to behave. And Charles Bronson is picking up on the qualities in the other guy that seem like the qualities a real criminal would have. And Charles Bronson himself has qualities that you would expect a real criminal to have. So I, I, I agree with you. I think the psychology definitely feels very plausible here. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I, again, I'm very, I, I, I guess 1970s critic snobbery would be the explanation, but I'm still very yeah. confused by it because this is a really... Like, this isn't just like, oh, this was a great movie. I saw this, I was like, wow, this was an outstanding movie. I really like this movie. Um, I, you know, and I, I was just kind of doing it to check off a box. So did like, Roger Ebert. Yeah, he, what did he give yeah, it, two Roger stars? Roger Ebert liked it a lot. No, he get, no, what was that? I, I think he was, I don't know, three, at least, at least three stars out of four. Yeah. Yeah, I was, he liked well, and, it. Two and a half out of four is actually. And Gene Siskel gave it one. I think. The performance. I think Gene Siskel gave it one star. 
Yeah, Siskel wouldn't like it. Siskel I wouldn't expect him to film snob school. I mean, I, I like well, You know what's funny about Siskel? Sometimes uh, he's like that, and then sometimes he surprises you for some reason. Like, you know, you'll yeah. see some movie and it'll be like, oh, it was a great popcorn. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Um, well, the good thing about those two is they are honest in their appraisal. It's like he, he it's like Siskel was a snob, but if he likes something, he's not going to, well, I don't, I, I, I shouldn't yeah. like that. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. what gives him credibility. But, but I'm, I'm just surprised when I saw all of those reviews on there that I was like, man, this is like, this just feels off. It just doesn't feel right that this movie is so yeah, oldly, yeah. so poorly yeah. reviewed. To go with your thing about Ebert and the movie, he did praise Bronson's performance, saying his his, his comment was that he he, belie he believed that that uh, Bronson was truly listening to Vincent rather than simply waiting for him to stop so Bronson could say his next. That's line. that's yeah. not praising a performance. That's like no, it is listening is I don't know and acting. It's like listening is no, but doesn't it doesn't that sound that to me that sounds like he's saying. That he feels like Bronson does that too much, and so at least this time he's listening. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But it, I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, it just <laughs> actually look, looking like you're listening to someone is something that that gets highlighted a lot in acting. Okay, I mean, it, so, it just. I mean, yeah. I don't know what Ebert meant. I don't. I'm reading. I'm reading. Well, the you know, we should at some point not the review. So. <laughs> Between this and John Wick, maybe I'll try to find the full review and we can read it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, is uh, I, I, it's, it is hard to put in context. In yeah, so, sometimes when they take that one little line, you go and read the whole review, and it's actually a much more well thought out idea that just gets reduced <laughs> to one sentence. So, yeah, uh, and it's, and two and a half stars yeah. out of four isn't a bad review from Ebert. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's, true. that's 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 it's like he does use all the stars. Huh. It's not he's <laughs> not he's not one of those video game sites where it's a matter of everything's between eighty five and a hundred, you know, on the on the scale. Yeah, so, my uh, wife gets mad at me. We always scale, whenever I listen to a song with her or whatever. She wants me to know what it is between one and a hundred, and if I don't give it like a ninety nine or a hundred, she gets mad yeah. at me. Um, so that you know, yeah. I, but I, I like to give things the grade I feel they should get. So, yeah. So yeah, if he gave it two and a half, and that's two and his, a half is that's above know. average. You know, it's like two and a half out of four. He he, he thought it yeah, was good. Yeah, that's that's a good review. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I I don't you know I, this was a you know I oh, think it's ahead. classic. Yeah, it I, I, yeah it's a, I think it's fantastic. I'm surprised I didn't hear more about this movie growing up. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of my thinking on it. Because when I saw it, I was yeah. like, this, should, this is something I would expect that I would have heard about as much as like, you know, movies like The Godfather or something. Do you know what I mean? Like just like things that people yeah. bring up that you would have heard, you know? Well, uh, I mean, while the remake does look terrible, it does say something that it was remade. This was a movie yeah. that... That someone thought was worth remaking, and Hollywood is willing to pay to remake. There's a remake so, of Death Wish too. There's a Death Wish. Okay. There's actually there's a there's yeah. a there's there's a reimagining of it with the brave one, and then there's an actual yeah. remake with Bruce Willis. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I I I, I yeah. loved it. I thought it was great, and I I, I definitely would. It was free with ads on Prime, so if you have Prime, you can see it. It's not going to be a problem. Um, you know, and I don't know where did you guys see it. Uh, I rented it actually, so okay. I, I think I, I used probably used oh. Apple. Okay. Well, I suppose I, I think I Apple first saw it in the nineties on on. What was that? I. I... Not. 
Oh, your audio is cutting out again. Yeah. Yeah, damn it. If you haven't, you know what? <laughs> can you type, hear me? It, type it into the chat, Matt, and then if it's important information, one of us can read it out. Um, I think he said he saw it on cable in the 90s. Was the oh, first okay. Saw it. That was that was what I, I got from the episode. Okay, well, that's what he said. One of the interesting thing experiences I've been having watching all of these movies is a lot of the movies, not this one, but other films are films that I saw growing up in like the 90s or the 80s on an old TV. And yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just staggering to me how well put together some of these movies are because I didn't know at the time that they were so well shot. You know what I mean? You just saw them on a TV and like, again, people might not know this. They might. But when you saw things on an old TV, mm. sometimes you'll see at the start of a movie, this has been formatted to fit your screen. And what that yeah. usually meant was not, oh, we letterboxed it and made it look like it did in the theater. It meant we chopped off random sections of the movie on either side. So that it'll fit your screen, or we squished it together so everybody looks like they're super <laughs> Very skinny, tall. super fat. Yeah, like it, yeah. It, I, I mean, that's one reason I never got into westerns heavily yeah. until the DVD era. It's like westerns really suffered from that. Yeah. Just the landscape of those movies and everything. It's like when I started watching old westerns on DVD, I was like, oh my god, these are great. And that's like what happened. We used to watch kung fu movies, and we liked them because. They had other elements to them, but at the time, you yeah. never realized how well made some of those kung fu movies were. You thought they were like just the way they looked on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's and that's been my experience with all these movies from the seventies, where my memory of them, and again, not this one, but of ones like uh, Dirty Harry or Death Wish or whatever, seeing them on a TV screen in the living room in the eighties with those like old like I again, I don't think people understand like even. Even like the aspect ratio aside, you literally could see the screen on. The, like if you if you you had to like trick your mind to not see the screen on an old TV. <laughs> like because I remember you would every once in a while you'd notice the screen and it would like interrupt the yeah. whole experience. Yeah, um, that was what's there was the uh, oh, what's the term I'm looking for the screen door effect. You know, people talk about that with VR, how you can kind of see the the squares to an extent. The screen door. It's like yeah, TVs all had that screen door effect. Yeah, you could you could basically see the pixels, but yeah, because we, we, we were that was all we ever and, saw. Most of the time, we didn't notice it. And the resolution was weird too on those old. I don't even yeah. know what it was. I don't like pixels are probably even the wrong word, right? Because it was like yeah, it's not. It looked like side. it looked like static, <laughs> like, like the the colors, the way they saturated. It just looked strange compared to how yeah film. Um, I'm not using an accurate term, but I can't think what the right. No, I don't. Is. I don't know either because I don't. It, it, and it's not related to the screen, right? Like it wasn't like those were little blocks inside the screen. <laughs> the screen was just another element of it. But I don't know. I, I I used to know how CRT TVs worked when I was in college, and I've now forgotten the specifics, so I can't but, answer. But what I do remember is you would have to tell yourself periodically, stop focusing on this aspect of it because that's ruining yeah. the experience. And it, it, yeah. whether it was the screen or just the way things looked in general. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So the point of that being that movies like this now you can see them and they look great the way that they were intended to look and i think that's one of the good things about uh computer screens all being like a movie screen now and yeah. tv screens all being like a movie screen now um oh. was it crt was a particle gun shooting at a screen i can't what's that, that fluoresced that fluoresced okay 
So yeah, that, I was. You know, it's funny. I was watching uh, uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory the other night, and they explained that a little uh-huh. bit in the scene where the kid goes into the TV. Yeah, um, I, 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 I said, I, I, yeah, the vocabulary of it all has got to. Well, I, and I just saw a documentary on the development of television like a month ago too, so it should be fresh in my mind, but I couldn't yeah. really remember it. Yeah. Um, but but anyways, yeah, this is a good movie. I think people should see it. Um, I'm very interested to see Adam. You haven't seen John Wick yet for the next episode, correct? Or have you? No, I haven't seen... watched it yet. I'm waiting to get closer to the date. You'll, the moment it starts, I think you'll know what I mean by why these two. They're, they're not at all the same, but just why they're similar. And no. I've heard bits and pieces about John Wick and the sequels and kind of the world it takes place in. And I, 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 to- I already really okay. get what you're saying okay. there. So I, 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 yeah, I, th- I think you're on the right track yeah. there based on what I know. Yeah. So I think this is a good movie to lead into John Wick with, you know, for that reason. Yeah. I don't know if it'll come up here on the podcast in that sequence because I sort of stagger things in yeah. various ways. But it, it chronologically in real life, we watch this movie and then we watch John Wick. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I, th- I think that this is a good setup for that. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add before we head out? Nope, oh, I'm good. The score, no. the score was great. So Matt's communicating by text now because his audio is not working. It was very melodramatic. He says, I would want to add at the beginning, there's like, I think it was like atonal piano music that they were playing at the beginning. It's that style where you play like every note in the chromatic scale, but you never repeat huh. yourself. Um, yeah, very dissonant, very atonal. Um, I thought that was really good. It, it, uh, I don't know why I thought it was good. Normally... I sometimes get annoyed by atonal music because I feel like it's too easy. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's kind of a trick to it, but it really worked here. And, I, and he says that uh, the guy who did it, Felding, uh, was a jazz band leader in the 50s. So that might explain why it was so good. It wasn't just some dude just saying, I'm going to go atonal. It was somebody who knew how to wield atonal music. Yeah, it's, the, it's got to be, if, you, if you're going to break the rules, you have to know the rules really well. Okay. And but, uh, Matt, yeah. Matt said some of his style is reminiscent of Zappa. I would agree with that. My dad was a big uh, Zappa fan. I am not a huge Zappa fan, but I am just as background music growing up. I, 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 I can see what he's talking about. Um, and he got caught up in the Hollywood blacklist, apparently, as well. So... Yeah, I and I my what I'll say about the score is that I didn't notice it. Anytime I don't mm-hmm. notice the score in a movie, when I go back and watch, I'm like, oh, that was a fantastic score because it just did the job. It's like I, it's mm-hmm. that that's always a good sign. And the first time I watch it, I'm yeah, not even I, paying attention to it. I noticed the atonal piano in the beginning, and that was sort of what, and so I started paying attention. And then I, this movie normally I would pay more attention to music. I often do. In this movie, I was so interested in the characters that I didn't really have time, aside from the mm-hmm. um, the classical music, which I paid attention to because I wanted to sort of pin it down. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really focus on the music as much after that. So, yeah, I had a similar experience minus yeah. the beginning section. Um, and and Matt was agreeing with you. It's best when you don't notice the music. Um, and so he has said... Something Twilight about a Blu-ray. Time, Blu- the, the, the Twilight Time version of the Blu-ray has an isolated score, so you can uh, listen to the first 13 minutes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I... I uh, it's stereo. So, um, but yeah, so 
you know, I, this is definitely a good movie. People should check it out. Um, I think that, uh, uh, again, like I said, it was available on Prime. I think you said you saw you rented it on Apple. So if you have Prime, it's free with ads. If you have Apple, you can rent it, I guess. Um, and yeah, so I guess we'll we'll uh, we'll end it there. And until next time, we will talk to you later.